So welcome to the Kansas Reflector. We are with Topeka State Representative Fred Patton, who has dedicated nine legislative sessions to work in the State House and about twice that amount of time in service of the Seaman Public School District in Topeka. He's accumulated an unusual perspective by jumping into the legislative branch of state government, responsible for example, spending on K-12 public education. And he's also seen what it's really like uh, to educate those kids at the other end of the spectrum. He served several terms as president of the local school board and in the capital he's held chairmanships of key committees, including the Judiciary Committee and the Education Budget Committee. Officially this month, he will be have stepped down from both of those obligations, and he's here now to look back on those years of public service and help us understand what it all means. Welcome, Mr. Patton. Thanks for having me, Tim. Thanks for taking your time uh, to be here with us. So first, Representative Patton, why step down now from the 50th District of the Kansas House? Yeah, so I decided last spring that I wasn't going to run again. And uh, then one day last spring, on a Friday, I woke up early and I'm like, I should start running. And so I ran, I've ran every day since. Every morning I get up 30, 45 minutes by myself and no one can bother me and my phone doesn't ring. And I just had a lot of time to reflect on what's important. And uh, boy, we've got two kids, two, two sons who are finishing up their, their educations, both starting jobs in Kansas City in the next couple of months. Got a daughter at home who I've got a year left with. And so I want to be able to spend time with them as they transition instead of the next, you know, the spring being gone. Um, I, uh, I, that, that's the big one. Um, yeah, it's you know, tough to go to dinner in Kansas City when you're at a, at a, a committee meeting at 7 p.m. in the evening in, right. in March. Right, when they were all here, uh, and thankfully I live in Topeka. I mean, it's much easier, I think, to be a representative in Topeka than mm-hmm. being you know, from Weston. Um, so I could go to their stuff. But as they move on, I want to be a part of that. And I just knew that wouldn't be possible if I stayed in the legislature. And maybe the explanation is comparable, but you joined the Seaman School Board in tw- 2003, <laughs> yep. and you l- resigned in 2021. Why did it seem to be the right time to depart then? Uh, that one was because for a number of years, I felt that I could do both jobs. I, I would get done at the legislature, and I'd uh, give time to the school board. It got to towards that end of COVID that both jobs were terribly busy. Mm. And I felt like I was not doing the job that the constituents deserved when it came to the school board. And so uh, that's why I stepped away from that. So I'm curious that the legislature, as you well know, offers modest compensation. School board members receive no pay. Right. Uh, So you weren't getting rich doing all this. But what drew you to these two roles? You know, school board, uh, we had two, our, our two oldest at the time. One was... Uh, three and one was one. Um, and I was president of the Optimus Club up north. And our school district, for the first time in forever, had hired a new superintendent. And he came and he spoke and he wanted full day kindergarten. He wanted to close some buildings. He thought we needed an alternative school. It's one other big thing. And I'm like, I went to school here. This guy's not going to mess up my school district. And I'm like, I should run for school board. And I remember pulling the kids around in a wagon and had no idea what campaigning meant. And back then the elections were in the spring, so it's cold and snowy. Mm. Um, so I got elected and I soon found out that this guy knew what he was talking about. We, we were, he was superintendent and I was on the board for a number of years, all good things he wanted to do, but that's what got me started there. Uh, and yeah, I did that for a long time. I, at one point in time, was president of the school board, state school board association. Mm-hmm. And that's where I began to 
get a little more concerned with the state level that you know we, we had no money and if we had no money when when a good portion of the state budget goes to schools we were seeing schools get cut and i'm like i can sit out here and complain and nothing happens so why don't you step up and run and so that's why i ran for the legislature yeah jump into the cauldron yeah so I know you're an attorney and you work in the field, but do you have any future political plans? I don't. Um, I've always said I don't know what I'm going to do when I grow up. And, you know, over the last week since people have known I'm stepping down for this, people have lots of ideas. Um, I'm not sure what's next. Maybe you're just going to keep running away from it all. Maybe. That's an option for sure. So perhaps it'd be best to delve into your legislative and your school board experiences separately. I'm interested, really interested in the thoughts of former legislators because I always feel and imagine that they're now free of those special interests. They're free of legislative leadership, free of the expectation of their constituents, and can be more direct in terms of what they say and believe. I, I know you're a straightforward person, yeah. but I just have that general feeling yeah. about people, so I'm really fascinated. So if you were briefing somebody about your experience in the State House, someone who was thinking about campaigning for the Kansas House, what, what might be a couple of orientation points? You know, you can't be comprehensive here, but, but just what would be a couple of ideas that you might share with them? Yeah, I, the first thing I, I tell anybody who's thinking about the legislature is make sure they understand the time commitment. It's it's extensive. I mean, it's it's it, maybe not your first couple of years, but once you be you know get on busy committees or start chairing committees, it's a a full day and night commitment. Um, not to scare people away because I certainly want good people to do it. And then I just encourage them to go meet with other leaders in their community. I mean, get to know your your school boards, talk to your city councils, county commissioners, learn what they think's important because. Um, um, and I may say this over and over again because I always tell student groups this. Right there in my title, in the word representative, is the word represent. And I, I think that's important. I've always tried to, you know, as I'm casting votes, I want to represent what the people in the 50th district think. And so that's the best way to determine if you're the right person for them or not is to go out and meet people in the community and see if your views at least closely, somewhat closely mm-hmm. align. Do you think there's merit to getting some some government experience prior to the legislature? What I'm asking about there is, you know, school board or city council or city commission or maybe even the county commission yeah. to have some semblance of what government is about. Oh, I absolutely think that's helpful. I mean, if not, you walk in there and you have no idea how it works. I mean, we've all seen that, you know, how a bill becomes a law cartoon and we we all took civics in you know, school and we think we know how the process works. If you've not had any government experience and you walk in there, yeah, you'd just be overwhelmed. So I think that's really important. So let's think about some things that you really liked about being in the legislature. You know, I think about if you're a policy wonk or the people you meet, uh, you know, what would be some things that you really liked? And then we'll look at the opposite side of that. Yeah, sure. I I really like meeting with people. Um, I love talking to student groups or if there's constituents that come in or even organizations that maybe I don't see eye to eye with. I welcome them to come meet with me. It's just fun to hear other people's perspectives and, and learn new things. The other thing I really enjoyed is is kind of being a problem solver in the legislature. It may be stuff that was in my committees or maybe not. It was fun trying to get together with either the two sides of an issue or you know two people working on an issue and trying to figure out what's possible. I mean, you know, you're never going to get everything you want. And so mm-hmm. how could we sit down and come up with that? And that's the, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that piece. Well, Good Lord. I mean, you had conversations with Democrats. You're a Republican. You had conversations yeah. with Democrats. Right. Crazy, huh? I, yeah. it's, it sounds insane. <laughs> I, apparently, they don't really do that in Washington. So what would be some of the uh, other issues, some of the concerns you had about being in the legislature, things you had trouble stomaching? And then there I might think about, you know, the irritating thing about fundraising or 
you know. Uh, f- actually, fundraising, I never put a lot of effort into it, and I, I did quite well. So that was really not an issue for me. I don't, I don't know if I was just lucky or being in Topeka. That, that wasn't that much of a challenge. Um, I mean, more and more since I've been there, that the division that we see in mm-hmm. our community became harder, I thought, for me to, to represent the community. Where, where are they on an issue? And, and being in Topeka, well, I think it was a great opportunity for someone in Topeka to serve because it's easy to go back. You could try to work a little bit, still see your kids. Right. You can um, spend the night at home. You can spend the night at home. But immediate feedback. Like mm. half the people I bet that work in the Capitol live in my district. And so mm. I can't even get out of the building without them saying good vote or bad vote. Huh. Stop by the grocery store on the way home. Immediate feedback. Go to the basketball game you know, on a Tuesday night. Immediate feedback. Whereas somebody who stays here all week long. They maybe get feedback when they go home on the weekend. Yeah. So the upside, I guess, is that I did get feedback. I mean, and, and mm-hmm. I wanted it. The downside is, is <laughs> you sometimes got I got feedback, right? And uh, it, I, I just didn't have that barrier because I was right here in Topeka. Mm-hmm. Politicians get labeled all the time, and basically you're a Republican or Democrat. There are some libertarians and indep- yeah. a lot of independent voters out there. But all serve as reference points for voters. There's also terms like hardcore and far left and moderate. So what do you think about those labels and uh, where do you think you generally fall? Yeah, I tried my best. Well, when I got there, I did the same thing. I tried to figure out who fell in what camp, right? I mean, that's how you, who are going to be my allies. Um, when I became chair of K-12 budget, I remember uh, walking out of Ron Reichwin's office, the speaker at the time, and, and certainly he encouraged me to figure out how we were going to solve school finance and address the court's concerns. But he told me, to get to know certain people on the committee and people who were either further right than me or further left than me. And I, and I took that to heart. And ever since, ever since that time, I've made it a goal to get to know, truly get to know them instead of just work with people that didn't think like me. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think that makes the process better. And I would think that if, if you, if you understand the position of people that you perhaps disagree with you, it's, actually quite possible to write a better bill. Oh, absolutely. I mean, everyone is sent here by a group of constituents, right? Mm-hmm. And and they, they come here because they have certain beliefs, and then they're here to advocate for those. And so they're just not coming here with their own ideas. I mean, some are, but, but most have a reason for it. And so get to know them, and why is that mm-hmm. important to them, or why is it important to their community? And then you can try to figure out how to come up with a solution. And I'll let you label yourself. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been labeled plenty of things. I, I, I'm... I don't know if, if right of center or a label now. I, I don't mm-hmm. know where I'd No, myself. I think it is. I'm, I'm certainly you know, people not. People are centrist and you can yeah, be right of center, I'm, left I'm of center. I'm not on either end of the spectrum by any means. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say I'm right smack dab in the middle either. I'm, I'm right in the and middle. You could argue, I think persuasively, that you're a pretty good reflection of Kansas generally. It might be a state that's a little bit right of center. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's parts of the state that are super conservative and others in the other end, but I think generally. Sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Uh, some people say politics changes folks, and maybe that is a Washington, D.C. idea. Uh, but I could see it happening on the state level as well. You think you're any different person you were right now than you say in 2014 when you showed yeah. up at the Capitol? I think the only thing, and I, I don't know if this is a good thing, but... I take criticism a whole lot easier than I used to. Mm. I remember that first couple of years when, again, I wasn't all that, I was new in the legislature, right? So the important stuff didn't come to me until I had to press my red or green button. Um, but someone would 
post a comment online or you know leave a message and oh it would bother me for days i would wake up and i'm like ah does you know tom down the street really think that about me and now it still bothers me but not near to the extent it it used to so i i don't know that's a good thing though i mean yeah, I think you. I could. I could see how you could get your feelings hurt when. Yeah, and, I, and it particularly, it would be frustrating when the criticism was off target. Yeah, you know, right? Like, oh no, that's not what I said, or right. that's well, not what I voted. You right, know? or on a number of issues. You know, how I said I like meeting with people trying to take something that's maybe not the best idea and make make it a little better. Something that is hopefully good for the state. And I'd often vote for those things. I almost, I almost had to, right? I'm helping to encourage some people to come together and make a bill better. Mm-hmm. And if they got close, I would vote for it. And there still may be some constituents or groups in the state that still thought it was a bad idea. And I'm like, but just think what it could have been had I not right. helped. Right. But that's hard to message. Like, you know, the, the people in my district don't always see that because that's not covered, you know, in the, in the media just because that's kind of down in the weeds. Um, well, sometimes I think... Well, lobbyists and legislators play. Sometimes they come to the state house, and today they're on offense, but other days they're on defense. Sure. And it's there's a lot about there's a lot to be said for what was prevented from happening right. legislatively, uh, uh, in, in addition to what sure. did happen. Sure. So I'm curious if you think your constituents, not necessarily yours, but generally Kansans, have a proper level of empathy for elected politicians and. You know, you're thinking about very complex questions. Of course, that's the nature of it. Uh, and solutions available that come that rise to the surface aren't always perfect. But sometimes the remedy you personally may have just can't gain traction. But people don't appreciate right. that. You know, I could see that being a reality. Yeah, I, I think generally that's probably true. That that people out there don't quite understand what goes on in the building and, and they get frustrated because of that. I, I feel pretty good in, in my district that a number of people, you know, I've met them along the way or had mm-hmm. ch- the opportunity to have conversations with them. And, and I think they get it most of the time. And I've really felt that the last 10 days since I've announced, I have heard from hundreds of people with such great comments. Like that's been the best thing mm-hmm. about this. I'm like, Oh, yeah. people did get it. Um, but I think it's also kind of similar to when, when we talk about our schools, you know, people, people think their local schools are doing great, but then they criticize schools generally, right? My neighborhood school couldn't be doing any better, but uh, schools in Kansas, uh, they need to do a little better. I think that's the same way we look at the legislature. I think my, my representative, he's not doing terrible, but oh, that yeah, I know him. He can't be that. Yeah, he right. can't be a scoundrel, but right. all those other guys are yeah. losers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I see that. So on a personal level, you, your spouse, your children, their adults or relatives, you know, yeah. mom, dad, whatever. Right. Uncle, cousin. Do they grill you on votes in the Capitol? You take a bunch of heat from those people? No, not really. Um, huh. They let as you my, As our kids have gotten older, I think they've had fun with it a little bit, ah. like poking at me. And they don't do it a whole lot. Um, my wife does her best just to to. Stay Stay out of it. <laughs> to an ex- I, she she works in a public school, um, so yeah. she hears about things that <clears throat> may or may not be true, um, and then comes home and she's. I mean, so that's a burden she's. You don't get grilled through. on the your your rejection of the Fourth Amendment I, on I that do, appropriations I, bill. I do not. No, uh-uh. <clears throat> no. Mo- most people are pretty nice to me. Thinking about lobbying in the Capitol, it's 
quite significant, of course. You know, uh, half the people that wandering around the building are lobbyists. <clears throat> they help fund campaigns. They have expectations. Do you think lobbyists or special interest groups have too much control over the legislative process? I don't know if it's too much. I mean, I, there's certainly a role for the for lobbyists that I did not know or anticipate before I came to the legislature. I, I am busy. Every legislator is busy all day long with their committees on the floor, and it's hard to know what's going on in all the other committees. And mm -hmm. I'm not an expert in really anything, and certainly not in some issues, right? I don't know the first thing about some issues. And so there are some really good lobbyists that will come in, and they'll explain, you know, what, what their client thinks. And if I have questions, they'll tell me what the other side things. And those are the ones you respect and you go to. Um, and yeah, they have influence because they have, they have knowledge that I don't necessarily have, but mm -hmm. I don't think maybe I'm being naive. It's certainly, I didn't believe it was this way with me. I, I didn't pay attention where my campaign checks came from. Hmm. I, I type up the report, you know, and I had to turn it in. That wasn't that wasn't all that important to me. So I don't. Well, the I people who give you money might be disappointed. Now. They might be. You I can say that now because yeah. they're, they're not going to send me any <laughs> checks. But I, that, it doesn't have. I don't think it has near the influence that that other well, people those, think those, it does. Those special interests do have access. Oh, they do. You know, like yeah. the Kansas Chamber throws money around in, in yeah. truckloads, and so you know, but. You know, it just all depends on your perspective. Right. If you love everything the Kansas Chamber does, then you don't think that's a problem. Right, right. You know? Yeah, good point. But there might be another side to a lot of these debates that the Kansas yeah. Chamber, you know, ideologically... And I, and I don't know... I've never looked at any other legislators' calendar. I don't know what kind of people or groups they meet with or don't meet with. But, again, if the, if somebody stopped by my office and wanted a meeting, I didn't care who they were. They were we were going to find time to work them in. And so Something I've always uh, curious about, and I think... You know, maybe I put too much stock in this, but legislative leadership, the House Speaker, the House Majority Leader, they want certain bills to pass and certain bills not to pass. Do you think the leadership puts too much pressure or an unhealthy amount of pressure on the rank and file? I'd say that I, I, my thoughts on that would have changed over the time, too. When I first got there, and maybe it's just because I was the new guy and, you know, you had this speaker or majority leader, whoever, the, not any specific person, but leadership in general. Um, if they'd come to talk to me, I'm like, oh, they, 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 they're coming to see me. I, they want me to vote a certain way. Um, and that, that was stressful. Um, I didn't, the last six, seven years haven't really experienced that. I, I know where leadership wants me to be. Yeah. Um, but I'm not worried that they're going to strip me of my committees or, or take yeah, my chairmanship away. You'd have to do away. something really outrageous. Um, uh, tell me this, when you're sitting there on the floor voting, do do lobbyists and leadership, are they sending you texts saying you're, we're a yes on this, we're a no? Yeah, um, not from, I don't get that from leadership. And I don't know that that's not, I guess when we're on call at the house and you see leadership on the phone, they're talking to somebody. They're yeah, not talking to, to me. To I even got in the habit um, early on, I'd unplug my phone. And I'd <laughs> turn my, one night we were there for until like three or four in the morning on a tax vote. I disconnected my phone and I turned my cell phone upside down so they couldn't couldn't try to put pressure on me. Uh -huh. um, I wouldn't say I hear from lobbyists texting me. That doesn't mean, you know, there aren't e-blasts going out left and right when an issue pops up, you know, from you whatever you side saw, of the group. You know, there's 30 bills up today. Oh, yeah. And, and on Bill 17, they're right. just sending you the reminder, the Republican 
caucus yeah. is a no on this or a yes on this or or don't don't affirm this amendment. This amendment has is danger signs all over it. Just I just felt like they were like people behind a curtain pulling strings. <laughs> no, you know, okay. there have been whips along the way. So Republican whips and I assume the Democrat whip is as well. I remember at one point in time, I don't remember who the whip was, had like a, a, a green sheet of paper, a red sheet of paper, and they just stood in front of everybody. And I assume that meant green support, red, you know. Red, no. Um, okay. But no, I've not. And maybe they just know to, that it's not going to impact me, so they don't pester yeah. me with it. Maybe, so maybe they've it's given happening. up on you. They, they might have. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, before we leave the legislative arena, one, one other question. There are, there are some policies that I consider if you believe polling, are quite popular. One of them is medicinal, at least, even recreational marijuana. The polling shows that two-thirds of Kansans want it, like the surrounding states. Another is Medicaid expansion and increasing eligibility to the working poor. Also, polling suggests that that's popular among Kansans. However, neither of those policies have been adopted by the legislature. And um, do you grind your teeth sometimes about difference between what the public wants and what the legislative leadership is deflecting yes at at times i mean on those two issues marijuana is one that i don't hear much about i never did either way Mm. in my district and i i've I've seen the polling that you know Mm -hmm. comes out on social media and and, in reports right um i'm not sure i can't really recall hardly any conversations about that i've got a farmer up up north that that grows some crops and he's come out uh, he had me out to show it to me but not really advocating to change the laws at all um on expansion i've certainly heard from people that's mm-hmm. one where uh, when i first got there i voted against it and the governor vetoed it and that's i was talking to you governor earlier, brownback yeah. yeah governor brownback vetoed it and uh there was some move on the floor to delay the vote over the weekend and i just so happened to have a forum already scheduled and there were lots of people there and um i used that weekend and you know that monday before we had to vote on the override to meet with as many people as i could dig into the details because i just didn't know enough about it um and i felt pretty confident my district supported it so i that's i think that's the only time i ever switched my vote um Hmm. on an override so yeah those are two issues that you know, when all the states around Kansas are doing X, it puts an odd bit of pressure <clears throat> on Kansas itself. Medical uh, uh, marijuana, like people are literally driving two blocks yeah. from Kansas to Missouri and buying weed and right. going home. Yeah. So Kansas lives with the consequences of that. Yet no tax revenue, no right. money, no, no change in enforcement, you know, just and then on Medicaid expansion. I was just down in Pittsburgh, Kansas, and the hospital people down there are competing with Missouri, which has Medicaid expansion. All the federal money that flows into Joplin hospitals from that, they're poaching nurses out of Kansas and other employees and offering buying new equipment that maybe the hospital in Kansas can't afford. There are consequences to this. And and I just think those are two good examples of where perhaps the Kansas legislature is out of step with Kansans. I think on both of those issues and others like it, that if people and, and I get why people don't want to reach out to their elected officials, right? They feel like they send an email and they don't get a response or mm-hmm. it's some guy or gal I don't know down the street. So it, it's a challenge. But on those issues, I, I think if local constituents 
would would reach out more directly instead of mm. you know I polling's great and this is what yeah. we think everyone believes on an issue but if people got more engaged and I really wish they would um, I then I th- I think it would be harder to stop some of those issues or maybe different issues would move forward mm-hmm. I think if people were willing to you know realize that the people that work in that capital are impacting their lives on a daily basis get to know them spend some time with them when you can and share your thoughts. I think that's how we make a difference. In yeah, just set areas. up marijuana aside. <clears throat> if I'm in a, my rural hospital closes, and instead of going to an ER with a heart attack that's nine minutes away, now I'm driving 45 in an ambulance, that's a real consequence. Sure. So, all right. Um, let's just go ahead and skip to your school board work. There's okay. a lot of things you would have done over the years there. Uh, you know, you're close, you're, it brings you closer to people, I think, sure. actually. Oh, yeah. Because uh, the schools, kids, your kids went there. Your wife works in a library in schools. Right. So what's that responsibility like? You know, it, I really enjoyed it. Um, it it was stressful at times because you were truly making a, an impact on individuals. Like it wasn't like you were passing laws in the Capitol, which, yes, are impacting everyone. But there you'd, you'd make a decision that would impact one student or one teacher or certainly you know, a class of students. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it was, it was fun. I, it was fun most of the time. Um, we passed a couple bond issues while I was on the board. Our, our district, like many districts in Kansas, was you know, a, a number of small little schools that over time came together and they formed a district. And uh, we were extremely inefficient. We had a number of one-track schools. So one first grade, one second grade, one third grade. No ability to divide kids up, right? If, if, Tommy and, and Joey didn't get along. They were going to be together every year because there was one teacher that taught the grade they were in. Um, so we were inefficient. It wasn't best for kids. And so we had, we had to go to the public and convince them to give us additional tax dollars to close their buildings. And that was quite the case to try to... That make. is a tough sell. Um, <laughs> but we did it. We went from eight elementary schools. Um, we're down to five. Uh, mm-hmm. We built a new... We combined two junior highs into one middle school, and we've completely redone um, the high school. And so... Seaman, so, it's to North Topeka growing? Yeah. yeah. Growing? Uh, it was. I think we're, we're kind of leveled off at right now. At least from a... I don't... I think the area is growing, but student-wise, we're not seeing mm-hmm. uh, enrollment increases, but not declines either. So it was great. Always a fun and, and smart group of people on the board. And you've got, so you've got seven people, right? And a, and a superintendent and, and the staff. Uh, we always got along really well. Of course, an issue would pop up here or there that sure. we didn't get along really well. But overall, we were, all, we were always working towards the same thing. <clears throat> I covered the Lawrence School Board for a few years, and I'd, I'd see people who their hair on fire and they get elected right to the school board and they come in there and they're pounding the table with their fists about all the change they're going to make. And then six months later, there's a big learning curve that, that transpired. And, and to some degree, those, those sentiments have been moderated. Do you, do you think there's a big learning curve for oh, people coming out of school? Board? Well, yeah. I mean, cause you know, best case what you're on a PTO, right. And you're, you're doing a carnival and selling trash bags and doing good things for your local Or you school. remember being in elementary school. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or you, or you were a student, right. Which yeah. makes you an expert in everything. <laughs> uh, so like me, when I, I thought the superintendent had a lot of bad ideas, uh-huh. I quickly learned he didn't. Um, so yeah, I think you have to be open-minded and, and willing to really figure out what goes on in a school district, whether it's a small one or a, or a big one, they all have similar problems. The stakes are high there. Yeah. 
You know, I think it's really important work. A lot of talk these days in public education about what's going on in the libraries. And, uh, you know, there's a there's formalities about challenging books that that individuals don't like. And I'm just kind of curious about your views about, uh, say, I went in and challenged book X and, uh, you know, it gets removed. And now none of the other three, four, five hundred kids in the school can read book X. And so what do you think about that? We're throwing books on the garbage pile based on the intervention of one individual when, in fact, maybe those decisions should be left to all the other parents and students in that school. Right. I I think it's important that everyone has a voice in in what's taught and provided in our public school. So, yeah, I I do have a hard time if if one or two people are concerned that we make a a snap decision based upon that one person's concern. I think in my time on the board, we had, I remember one, maybe two challenges. And both of those, I immediately got the book, read the book, and then I called the the parent. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, have you read the book? And they're like, well, I read, you know, pages 17 Uh, through 23. That's frustrating. So I asked them, like, read the book and let's talk again. And I get what concerns they had on those pages, right? It was material that I probably wouldn't want my younger kid to read, certainly without me being able to provide some um, guidance along the way. But both of those, certainly the one, I think there were two, withdrew their challenge. It never even Hmm. got to the board. Um, So... I've not followed it closely, and so mm-hmm. I, I'm. There probably are materials that are out there that maybe shouldn't be in in a school setting. I I don't know what they are, and I'm not in a position to Another, weigh in on that. But I yeah. I want to make sure we're just not taking everything away without. We've we've got librarians and staff who are educated, got degrees. Um, yep. There's processes set up in the districts that if someone <laughs> wants to challenge something that. Hopefully they go through those processes and get input and make sure that um, if, if it doesn't belong there and, and the community as a whole agrees it shouldn't belong there, then, then fine. But not snap decisions based upon I a think person people want to ban To Kill a Mockingbird, for example. There's some pretty tough language in there. Sure. There's some uh, activity in there that might be troubling to some. But if somebody, when I, in my youth, I was a bit rebellious. If somebody had put that book on a list of banned books that I wasn't supposed to read, it would be like a magnet. It would be like a call to action to right. go read To Kill a Mockingbird because it was what some adult thought I shouldn't do. Right, right. Well, that and I mean, now kids have access to anything they want, right? It's right there on their phones or their laptops. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, my advice to parents is not necessarily to, to come in and say this or that shouldn't be in a school building. I mean, if, if they're concerned, come forward. But be involved with your kids, right? Go, yeah. go talk to the teachers. Follow what they're doing on their phones. See what they're reading. I, I know in Seaman now, if... if if someone wants to, they can let the librarian know. And if I check out a certain book and they let, they let the parents know that, that, you know, Emily checked out whatever book. Um, so I, I, be involved. And if you're more involved, then I hope you, you shouldn't get caught off guard. So uh, there's been a big push in the state house to send hundreds of millions of dollars to private schools through vouchers and other means. Good idea for the state to use a bunch of tax dollars to help private schools? So when I first, actually, even before I ran for the legislature, I was always of the opinion that uh, once you fully fund public schools, then we can talk about if we're going to send money to private schools. We're closer to fully funding schools, uh, for sure. Um, In part due to work that you performed on the uh, K-12 budget committee several years ago, right? A lot of us, but yes. And actually, in that in that deal we put together to, to pass the legislation that resolved the litigation, we had... 
um, some tax credits in there that you could, if mm. you, we kind of opened the door a mm-hmm. little bit. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was part of the, the, I felt like the compromise of the committee to get enough. Camel is under the nose on some of that. Yeah. Um, Excuse me, camel under the tent. <laughs> camel's under the nose. Yeah, right. It anyway, right when the camel's it. got its nose yeah. under the tent of funding for private schools. So there's pieces of it. I mean, I, I get that, that there are students out there who are in schools that maybe aren't able to provide what they need. And so how do you address those? I don't know the answer, but I've never been supportive of just um, sending unlimited amounts of money to private schools. Um I'm and afraid that debate is going to outlive your, your yeah, it, tenure in the legislature. Right. And, and for me, when it came up this session, I, I made it clear to those who supported it. This isn't what Fred Patton thinks or doesn't think. My district has made it very clear to me that they don't like the idea of sending money to private schools. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it was an easy no vote for me. I get that people may come from other areas of the state where they're hearing different things. And mm-hmm. you got to vote. You got to vote what you're hearing from your district. So... Um, you know, politically, it's kind of in vogue to to disparage public education among in some circles. Do you think that has a detrimental effect on the public's confidence in the capacity of educators to do a good job for their kids? I certainly think it has an impact on educators. I mean, if you're constantly getting beat up, whether it's it's certainly not merited in most situations. Um, yeah, I think they they work all day long with kids who are acting up and they're not paying attention. I, 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 well, I, I spent, what was it? A couple hours in a building. This was 10, 15 years ago over lunch. We had a teacher of the year, uh, in mm-hmm. a building and they wanted to volunteer to cover lunch for them that day. And I'm like, I'll do it. I can do this. This'll be fun. And before lunch, um, I, I read a couple books that the teacher gave me to read and we go to lunch and that was fun. We had a recess and we go back and it, she wants me to teach some math. I, I oh, can no. do this. No, no, it was, it was, it was fine. Except there were three or four kids in the front row and they just wouldn't quit talking. And at one point I'm like, you need to be quiet. And I look up and the teacher's in the back of the room and she is cracking up. Fred Patton lost it as a teacher in less than two hours. <laughs> so I don't know how they do it day in and day out. And I don't think I don't it helps it. that we pile on criticism nonstop because they are dealing with students who have learning disabilities. They're dealing with students who come from areas that, you know, the home life isn't great. They've got all kinds of things on their plate. And they're not just dealing with, you know, ideal students who are all getting A's and sit in their chairs and watch. And so it's stressful mm-hmm. to be an educator. And I don't think it's helpful when we criticize them. I volunteered in a public school classrooms for 20 years. And I learned after a couple that I couldn't do that teaching yeah, job because yeah. I don't have the patience. No, I uh, watched people have the most extraordinary amount of patience for people right. that were testing you. They're yeah. third graders and they're testing you, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I just couldn't do it. And, and I, so I was always amazed by uh, some of those teachers and to always be criticized or to have political people suggest you're doing nefarious things in the classroom is it just seemed awful and yeah. hurtful. Yeah. But I also don't think that means that we should not continue to look for ways to improve, right? If if, right. if we're doing the same thing over and over again and we're getting the same results, then how at a local level, at a state board of education level, and, and occasionally the legislature, what can we do to help change that system? Because it's not always just dollars, um, but but we should trust the experts in the field. So COVID struck, you were in the legislature and... Uh, working with the school board when that occurred. What do you think about long-term prognosis here? It's going to take time to heal those academic wounds. 
Oh, I absolutely think so. I mean, you look at the really young kids who the first couple of years, they, they went to school on their laptop. I mean, they're not, they've, they've not interacted with other children. Mm-hmm. They've not had to sit in front of a classroom. They've not had to do team projects. And so I hear from educators all the time that they're struggling with that. Or even take the higher level kids. My daughter, the first, I'm trying to think where she was in school, but I think she was it middle school? Maybe she missed most of the middle school or wherever that transition was. So there was a, yeah. a period of time where normally you would, you would learn new things. You would begin to interact with students and teachers differently, and they didn't have that. So that's going to take a while to overcome for sure. Yeah, socially and academically. Right. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. real, real consequences. Right. Let's hope we don't have another big pandemic. So when you, final question, when you look at the uh, legislature or the school board, is you could wave a magic wand. Is there anything you would like to change about those, or do you think do you think we kind of have it right? It's it's not a pretty process, and it's not a fun place to be a lot of the times. Um, but it's work. It's worked for hundreds of years. Um, I I, th- I think what we're missing, and I talked about a little bit more, is the engagement by by the citizens. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just can't sit at home or sit behind your laptop or your phone and post stuff on social media and think that's going to change anything. You've got to get involved, and that doesn't mean run for office. I mean, some people need to, right? And I, mm-hmm. anyone who wants to, give me a call. I'll tell you the good and bad about it. Yeah, there's going to be a vacancy <laughs> yeah, in North, North Topeka there House is, District. There is. Um, but just figure out a ways to be more involved and, and, and talk to your elected officials. They, I think most of them want to hear from people. And so if, if we're going to turn this thing around and quit being so divisive, we're all going to have to come together and work together. And mm-hmm. you can't do that if you're not a player in the process. Yeah, excellent. I want to thank Topeka State Representative Fred Patton, a state legislator for a brief period still, and very long-term dedicated state, uh, local school board member. I want to thank you for your time today and really helping us understand what it's like uh, to be a bit behind the scenes in some of this public service. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me.